listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 86, Once Upon a Forest, or How Alvin and the Chipmunks Saved the Forest. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Dumb, Bluth, and everything in between. And I do mean in between. Today, my name is Chelsea Robson. Tomorrow, who knows who I'll be. But <laughs> I don't know why I said that. But uh, we also have Morgan Stradling and Mason Smith here. And this is going to be a really fun episode. Aren't you guys excited? Super excited. Yeah, are you sure about that statement? Uh yeah, I'm just excited to be here as okay, people. Yeah, no, so yeah, yeah, that. <laughs> I'm, I have just been so excited to get down in this conversation because I know it's going to be hilarious. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So just, you know, if you're new, uh, let's first off say thank you for joining us. We're glad to have you. Um, basically what we are, we're just three friends. We get together on a bi-weekly basis and we pick an animated feature and we just talk about it. We are doing a Rats and Mice series, and we had a poll on the website where everybody could go in and choose which Rats and Mice movies they wanted us to review. And this movie actually got number three, believe it or not. Pretty impressive. Um, I think they just hate us, but it'll be fun. <laughs> Once upon a forest, man. All right. Should we should we go into the main discussion? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Might as well just jump in. <laughs> it is morning in your Day is breaking oh so From the creator of an American tale, meet the furlings. They're fun. They're funny. <laughs> and they're full of mischief. Furlings! <laughs> But their friend Michelle needs a magic potion. You only have two days' time. <gasps> Think we should take this? Now they're on their own and off on an incredible journey. <laughs> Join Abigail, the leader. We can take care of ourselves, thank you. Edgar, the brave. And Russell, the one with an enormous appetite for adventure. Stuck in your stomach! From the courageous to the outrageous, come along as they leap into action. Hallelujah! Swim against the odds. And together, come up with the perfect plan to reach for the sky. You don't really mean fly. Michelle's counting on us. Well, what? Their little paws and fly like birdies. We'll show you. Crank the Winder Uppers! Whoa. 20th Century Fox presents a high-flying adventure that will send your spirits soaring. Once Upon a Forest, featuring the voices of Michael Crawford, Broadway's legendary phantom. Stupendous! And the fabulous Ben Vereen. There's gonna be some celebrating today! Once Upon a Forest. So, for those of you who are completely unfamiliar with this movie, this is Once Upon a Forest. It was released in 1993. Uh, June 18th, 1993 to be exact. It was done by the studio Hanna-Barbera and distributed by 20th Century Fox. Uh, the director, um, was Charles Grovesner, who most, is most notable for the Land Before Time sequels. He yeah. basically did from what, like six on? And actually a lot of those got some decent critical acclaim, but. So Hanna-Barbera, this studio transformed into Turner, which kind of transformed into Warner Brothers, which it's just kind of a big mess. Yeah. Um, so, yes, this movie, let's just talk about the basics. The budget was $13 million, and wah-wah, it ended up making 
5.82 million dollars in the box office, which is kind of a bummer. Um, originally this movie was going to be a direct to video film and then they ended up, yeah, just doing some, some tweaks to it and they said, no, this should be a movie that we release in theaters. Uh, yeah, it was not, uh, not meant to be. Although I do remember this movie now after having seen it, I'm like, oh yeah, I saw this movie. Quite oh, a bit. I totally saw this movie. Yeah. Yeah, so 1993, you know, they, they had the original titled as The Endangered, but, you know, producers thought that was, like, too dark or whatever for kids. I, I think The Endangered sounds a little cooler than Once Upon a Fourth, but anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, so 1993, this is, like, environmentalism in New Media 101 here. Um, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, this, this film was kind of doomed from the start because it had to compete with... One of the greatest films of all time, Jurassic Park, which is uh, the story of people who don't give a crap about nature, <laughs> and nature in turn does not give a crap about them. <laughs> in fact, it runs after them. <laughs> you know, when Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the pirates don't run out and eat the tourists. Anyways, one of my favorite lines. That is one of my favorite lines, too. <laughs> <laughs> Ian Malcolm, man. <laughs> so... um I did a little research on the film. So, yeah. So, Kirshner was one of the... Um, this guy, Kirshner, he was either the producer or the co-director. I don't know. I, I like the statement from him. He, <laughs> this is a statement on the quote-unquote diversity of the film's production services. He said, Disney has great animators, and the studio has them locked up for years and years. And then he boasts that they outsource most of their animation to Denmark, Taiwan, Argentina, Spain, Canada... Yes, that was that's diversity, but the expense of U.S. jobs, and that's like a big, big issue today. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? In the end, their low-budget approach literally didn't pay off. <laughs> There's my mini monologue on the power of American ingenuity. But anyway, honestly, I don't the, know. the animation itself wasn't bad. I will it give it tr- that. You could tell it was trying. Yeah, it wasn't horrible, but it clearly wasn't Disney level yet. Yeah. But it tried mm-hmm. yeah this wasn't nearly on the level of you know richard williams but it at the same time it wasn't quite on the level of the stuff from the thief and the cobbler that wasn't done by richard williams <laughs> you know that was made by that weird comp that weird like animation mafia company that like completes your films for you <laughs> give you an offer you can't refuse <laughs> so anyway there's somewhere in between as i said before everywhere in between <laughs> But this is a Hanna Barbaric movie, if you know what I mean. <laughs> you know what I'll give it though? The animation was good and the background layouts were pretty cool. Like they were very colorful and very like pastoral and stuff like that. Yeah, I felt with the backgrounds, I felt that they were trying to mimic, you know, the classic watercolor style that, you know, you've seen basically since the beginning, since Snow White, since Bambi. And as I was watching it, I was paying attention to the backgrounds and I wasn't quite sure if they were good or if they were just a cheap imitation. I need I need an artist's perspective or a musical person's perspective. <laughs> well, you've got both, thankfully. <laughs> well, I actually I didn't notice them as being bad. I thought they were good. Honestly, I thought they were they put they put efforts in some of the key places that needed to have effort. Not all of the places that had to have effort, but hey, like for example, um can we just say the music? James Warner. Oh. Yes. I knew you would mention him, I especially know. since our Dinos and Dragons series, we talked a lot about him in Land Before Time. And you know what? More as I hear James Horner, he's I it's he's the same, but he's not the same. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. It I felt like this kind of sounds like Land Before Time. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the mark of like a great composer or just someone who's kind of one note who's really good, who can create these great melodies, but they kind of all sound the same. Well, I think it's just because his instrumentation is very much the same. Like, there's almost always an oboe solo, or <laughs> you know? gotta have that. <laughs> and it's those, it's that moment where you bring in. I don't know if it was an oboe. Okay, um, it's been a while since I've been in band, but there's always that one wind instrument that he brings in that it's like it totally has the Land Before Time vibe, and. So I think that's that's one of those things like why I realized it was him. But at the same time, he's got it's like so melodic and just nice, and it's really good. Um, but yeah, he he had a lot of work in the '90s, man. I mean, yeah, for them to you know 
the budget for this was $13 million. James Horner at this point wasn't a spring chicken. Mm-hmm. wondering how much they spent for him. Maybe they should have uh, got someone spring a little newer. Chicken? Yeah, spring chicken. Kind of weird. A newbie. Arizona saying is that? You have never heard spring really? chicken, Chelsea? Back oh, me up. Down here in oh, Texas, course. we just eat chickens all year long. I don't <laughs> oh, know how y'all do it just, over there. Just Google spring chicken idiom, and you will see that it's all over the place. Not right, just well, Arizona. We'll yeah. Do that later. Extra credit. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they put a lot of effort into some of the like key places to make it not be because if they didn't put money into the into the soundtrack from the very beginning it wouldn't nobody would take it seriously i wouldn't yeah, take it seriously but i can't really take it seriously because it it like wants to be a musical but there's only three songs well yeah that and they're so tonally and just stylistically different that like we have you know the guy from phantom of the opera <laughs> singing this ballad not really ballad just this like power some dorky songs at the end. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't understand why they couldn't just leave it at James Horner's. Because um, it's during the 90s and every true. every animated film back then had to have songs. Remember uh, Quest for Spamalot? <laughs> I love Spamalot. It has so much potential. I know. But from the very beginning, that was what made me actually pay attention um, hearing his score there. So if nothing else, that caught me to actually think this is a, a legitimate movie. Mm-hmm. Because the cover on, you know, Amazon does not no. do it justice. <laughs> I was pulling up um, it on Amazon Prime and I was typing in, uh, you know, on my remote, Once Upon a Forest, and my husband saw me and I was typing in Once Upon, and he said, oh, you're watching uh, Once Upon a Time? I'm like, oh no, something <laughs> much better. And so I click on it, Once Upon a Forest, and he just looks at the ca- at the cover, judges it by its cover, and says, heck no, and walks out. Like, <laughs> so, well, that's how that went. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, hearts Jared's Jared. great. <laughs> honest <laughs> yeah heck no oh. but the, the, to be real the cover art does not do this movie justice no because it doesn't those characterizations um on the you know cover nowadays do not even look like it just looks like a cheap crappy movie and actually when you watch this movie it's not that bad it's not Mm-mm. that cheap it's, yeah it's okay-ish which <laughs> is saying a lot <laughs> We've all remembered seeing this, but I think it was because the characters, they were actually really memorable, like the images themselves. So I didn't think the art was bad, and I definitely didn't think the music was bad. Story, meh. But, you know, um, I felt like those two things, like they had going for them. Yeah. And it's weird. I did a little research on the film, like, just to see, like, the experience of other people who had seen this. Cause when I first saw this, I was, I was like in grade school or something like that. Like I was in first grade or something and, um, I barely remember it. But the one part I do remember is, um, is the poison gas coming and killing everyone. And then the, the little, little tiny mouse getting, um, getting all sick. And I looked online and like, that's the part that everyone remembers. So it does have like these like moments mm-hmm. that stick with you, but, before you get to those awesome moments, you have to you have to trudge through a lot of bull crap with the little kids and how horrible <laughs> they are. And old Mister Badger is like, "Oh my gosh, why did I take this job?" <laughs> He's like, "Oh my gosh, ten years till retirement. Ten years till retirement." It's old Calvin and Hobbes reference for you. So my first recollection of this movie. So remember, on the last episode, we were like. I think I've seen this movie. I'm not sure. I think I've seen this movie. And I had seen this movie. And what it was is I never had this movie. And this movie was never playing on TV. Um, but where I did see this movie at, was at my grandma's house. Like, my grandma did not have very many movies on VHS. But for some reason, she owned Once Upon a Forest. So whenever I went to my grandma's house with all my other cousins and we didn't want to play or play with the toys or whatever, we would watch this movie. Um, and so I have seen this movie quite a bit, actually. So I was so surprised about how familiar this movie was. And I finally had been solved this conundrum that's been bothering me for so many years. So there's this scene where they go into kind of the desert and the owls are attacking them. And I always 
because I didn't really remember this movie like years later, I always thought that scene was a scene from Secret of Nim. And then I would go and watch Secret of Min, Nim and I had no idea where this scene was. And I'm like, where did I imagine this? And so watching this, finally, I was like, so that is where the scene is from. Yes, <laughs> from somewhere, but it's not Secret of Nim. <laughs> so Excellent. I was very happy to watch it this time and like finally connect those puzzle pieces in my memory. Do you remember yeah. that one time when we were in Utah and I had you come over like to my sister's house and we like had four different movies and one of them was Thumbelina because I really wanted to see that one scene where it's like they just take six seconds of footage and they just repeat it during yes. a, a melodic, like a, a musical moment. And I was like, but it's so true. It's there. And so we looked at Thumbelina and it wasn't there. And I'm like, but where is it? So I'm thinking it's in Ferngully or something like that. But <laughs> I was like, that kind of reminds me of that moment. Someday when I finally find that moment, I'll be like, hey, Morgan, remember that time? Sweet. I'm excited for it. Except not. <laughs> All yeah, right. So we start out with, uh, uh, with the main character, Mouse. What's her name? Abigail. Oh, yeah, Abigail. They all have decent names, except for the little girl who I think is a skunk, who's actually a badger. Uh, Michelle. I hate the name Michelle. I just don't think it's Sheesh. a good name. I, I, I don't know. They all oh, have you hate the, like the name Michelle fashion. as applied to her? Yes. You don't yes. generally hate Michelle. <laughs> generally, like, hate Michelle. So if your name's Michelle, phew, don't worry. You're, you're good. But... <laughs> I feel like well, their names are very, uh, like old fashioned, you know, and so they all like blend together. And then we have this random modern character named Michelle, which like every time I heard it, I just got thrown out of the, the action. But maybe that was just me. Anyways, back to Abigail, our little field mouse, which is the reason we are doing this movie in our mice and rat series for her and then the other field mice we later meet. Little critters, <laughs> furlings, I guess they're called. The furlings. Yeah, furlings for a furlong. They really set up the exposition that she's going to lose her parents. Let's right. just do that. <laughs> Let's just establish that. They're like, oh, dad, we love you. Oh, you're going to go off someplace and we're going to stay here. I wonder what's going to happen. You know? Yeah. One of my favorite lines. I love this line. She's like, she turns around, love you, daddy. And he says, me too, Abigail. <laughs> Excellent writing. That's the classic. You're dating, and you know how to tell if someone's into you, and you say, "I love you," and uh, I like you too. Yeah, I have a great affinity for you too. Peabody. Oh my gosh. No, like the moment I heard that, I was like, oh, I can only see this ending badly. There's too much love and tenderness. So you just obviously know that it's going to end very quickly. Yeah, and then by contrast, Mr. Badger hates the kids, or he he really should, but that's the guy that stays with them for the whole movie. Yeah, he needs a different line of work. (laughs) I feel like this whole time he's just like, oh my gosh. Okay, I I will prove to you that he's not as smart as he thinks he is. But anyway, yeah, so we got her, and then I love the little hedgehog kid's family. (laughs) They're just fighting over the food. That was my family growing up. I love how the mom was like, well, you should have acted faster. That's exactly what would have happened at my house. Oh, the old food chain, huh? <laughs> it was. I'm the youngest of six kids. Oh, all right. It happens. And then you got the brains. Uh, you know, this is your typical tree, your typical trio. You got like the tomboy character or like I the sporty this. character. In this case, it's a girl. And then you have the awkward chubby kid or the kid who just doesn't get along. He doesn't necessarily have to be chubby, but typically awkward. And then you got the smart kid yeah, who is just the brainiac. And you realize at some point in the film, there's going to be some sort of conundrum that only this person is going to be able to solve. <laughs> Hermione with a devil snare. Oh, brother. <laughs> but I just, how do you feel about having a trio as our, our main trio? Like you said, it's like the classic trope, you know. There's always got to be kind of a... It's like the Alvin Simon Theodore. Like, this is literally what it is. (laughs) Alvin Simon Theodore! Yes, it is. You know what? They should have just rewritten this movie to be Alvin and the Chipmunks Save the Forest. (laughs) Because the Alvin and the Chipmunks, it actually makes sense that they wear clothes. It doesn't in this film. (laughs) Okay, can we can I just get on top of my soapbox here for a little bit? I feel the real if you're a, if you're a production designer, no, you, there's no stopping me. I'm already on top. All right, <laughs> here I am on my soapbox. Okay, 
Mason soapbox moment. Why are there animals that are selectively naked and some that are selectively clothed in this movie? I don't get it. Do you remember Little Bear? Little Bear on Nick Jr.? No. All Little Bear's parents and family, they all wore clothes, but Little Bear just ran around naked and they <laughs> never explained it. Anyway, so these well, kids and- have clothes, but but the owl doesn't. In fact, the owl's like this soulless killer, you know, who wants to just eat them up. And then you've got Al Sharpton bird and the and the gospel birds, um, <laughs> and they're wearing clothes. And then half, maybe half of the the Oakdale critters wear clothes, <laughs> but not all of the animals wear clothes. Like the, there were these sewer rats in this one part that just yeah. like. You know, they scurry off, but and they're not wearing clothes. It's supposed to show how much they've evolved. The bad guys and the sewer rats, they have not evolved yet. They're still, you know, they have their natural instincts. They want to kill. These other guys, they're working <laughs> together as a community, so they have clothes. But then also, like you said, it's selective and convenient. Conveniently, when humans get in the picture, suddenly clothes right, right, get, caught then, on, then they... get caught on stuff and fall off because, no, we can't have exactly then... the clothes. <laughs> Yeah, I think the clothes also personifies even more the the critters so that, you know, people who are watching this movies and, and really don't care about forest critters getting trampled by bulldozers. And I've got a little I've got a few remarks to say about that. Um, they'll be like, well, they kind of look like humans. So I could imagine my kid, you know, um, <laughs> suffering from pollution poisoning. So it's I don't know. It's kind of like a guilt device. I don't know. Would it make us uncomfortable if they didn't have clothes? Well, um, just don't make the movie at all, but, um, I don't know. I, I, I would like it to be more of a, I would like it to be more of a, a naturalism thing, kind of like Watership Down. But of course, that didn't have to do so much as, uh, with human intervention as it did infighting within the rabbit nation. I don't know. Come back to me on that one. <laughs> all right. Okay. We'll Coming back. But yeah, um, this is the nineties and I'm like, while I'm watching this, I'm counting the number of orphans in single parent households because that is another animation trope from the nineties. I don't mean to sound insensitive, but I mean, I'm just saying what we're all thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the kids are evil. Oh my gosh. I, I, if it weren't for the fact that I have some amazingly cute and adorable and very well behaved nieces and nephews, I think by watching this, I would be terrified to have children. Just saying. <laughs> oh, <come on. laughs> Just watch Twilight. But anyway, um, no, this is notice how all the the other furlings have gone on and graduated from school, but they're the only ones left because they're the problem childs. This is like alternative school. (laughs) They didn't tell you what kind of school it was. Did anyone get really frustrated when these hooligans are being so naughty and they destroy the mini flyer? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, Professor Badger man had it coming, though. Well, yeah, I have a feeling this is not the first time that they've been naughty, okay? So, you know, if it's school time and class is in session, you probably should put that thing away. Just saying. Well, well, no, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Mr. Badger, he wasn't very smart. He spent months, uh, apparently, even though it took the kids to build a a full-size version (laughs) in in a couple of hours. He spent months of research and construction on this little plane thingy, Dealey. And, um... As an adult, you just don't show an awesome new toy to a bunch of kids and then say they can't play with it. Like, what the heck did he expect would happen? You don't have to be a parent to figure that one out. (laughs) I've given old Mr. Badger a hard time, but he was a pretty likable character. He's just one of those guys that just really shouldn't be a teacher. (laughs) Yeah, he just needs to be the inventor in the closet. But doing that does not pay the bills, especially when you're taking months to build something that apparently kids can do in a few hours. Anyways, so field trip. Let's talk about field it. trip indeed. It's it's so happy, but they find these little pockets of of humans, evidence that humans are there, uh-huh. and the music just gets all dark, <laughs> and everybody's voices are like, "Do not go in there." Yes, humans. You know, and this is what I started to not like this movie and its message. Because, uh-huh. one, I'm a human, and two, I actually like my race, the human being, you know, mankind. I like it. Homo sapiens. I don't know. It was just very frustrating to me that it was like, oh, gosh, here's the liberal propaganda. Humans are evil. No, 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 no. This, even liberals drive cars. The rationale behind this movie is, <laughs> is straight up freaking Green Party nonsense. No offense. No offense, guys, but... <laughs> how but did, how not offense? <laughs> boo! In case anyone hasn't figured out by this point in time, we're all pretty conservative. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Middle, well, of the, middle of the line, conservative. I, I, no, I, I, 
I, I prefer to think it common sense. But anyway, he, yeah, this whole humans are this whole it, it's it, okay. I'm fine with an environmentalism message. Like here in Texas, we're we're more about preserving the environment than you'd think. And um, but uh, it's it's not just environmentalists. It's it's anti-human. And the logic behind that that whole movement is. Um, it's just something that I can't wrap my head around. And maybe that was why I didn't like this movie. But, I mean, there's part – the humans redeem themselves in this movie. They're not yeah. actually that bad in the end when you get to know them. <laughs> it's not when you get to know him. Yeah, I mean, even the moment when he, you know, somehow survives the fact that his gas truck just slid off the road. Right, that um, is another thing. Yeah, so he... As, as the son of a truck driver, I can tell you that if you have a crash like that, you're not going to just walk away and be like, oh, gosh, I better get help, you know, and just walk <laughs> off, you know. No, he runs off. He, like, trots off. He's like, man, I could run a 5K after this truck accident. <laughs> You know, I just didn't, I just didn't get that. But I mean, he does say, "Oh, I got to get help." So obviously, he's there trying to be proactive and doing the right thing. But I, but here's what I here's what I like about this part. Like, sorry, Chelsea, I didn't mean to cut you off. It. I think there's a delay anyway. Um, like when there's, he when he goes out to the tree, he goes out to the tree and he and he yanks off the things. Like, see, this bark can cure um, nematodes, or what did he say? Rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, so I like that. Like, I think the the movie should have done a little bit more. Um, you know, with the the use of Any of nature to do for, with hu- bark? for yeah. Well, the, well, okay, that's a beneficial natural resource that should be preserved in the forest. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah, deforestation is a problem with with that resource. But um, I, I they should have done more of that and had a more positive message than this whole thing about the humans being, you know, totally evil and, and mindless killers and and stuff. The script just had so many holes where it just like every little thing was trying to support the fact that we need to take a stand and we need to be very proactive about our environment, which hey, we all know I love trees. This- <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea loves her trees. But my thing was... Trees just, are great, man. Yeah. Like, they were being proactive about it. That's the whole thing. Like, this yeah. was an accident. You know, some stupid hick with his bottle caused this crash. <laughs> I and know. I, I, the guy, I, I was not clapping my hands for joy when I saw the dude littering with glass on the road. Because I was like, dude, someone's going to get a flat and they're going to have to pay for that. I know. Yeah, littering oh, yeah. Also, the, also, there could be a chemical spill, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> But yeah, like I so, was, I was booing the guy that threw the bottle, you know. But the trucker who crashes out of not his fault, it's not like he purposely went, like was twirling his mustache, saying, He's like, oh, "I'm going to get these critters, and I'm going to get This isn't Fern and Goldie. No, not at all. And you know, he goes and he immediately runs for help, and then help comes, and then they start the process to clean the forest up. Like, and they do so, a little extra; they get rid of all the hazmat at the end. Yeah, and so maybe it was this whole time it was yeah. humans are good, just animals misunderstand us. Yeah, I prefer to, I prefer to see it as <laughs> that's so the moral misunderstood. of the story. <laughs> but like, it's not like as a Texan, I was like, "Woo, yeah, throw that bottle in the road, yeah," you know. I sound like Squidbillies, but anyway, um, <laughs> we went all over on that part. But I love the scene where they, where um, you know, chubby hedgehog kid. I call him anti-Sonic because he's not fast. He does not got to go fast. <laughs> he goes out on the road and, you know, smart kids like, this doesn't seem natural. It's made of tar. I have expected, like, Mater to come barreling down the highway and just squash him. <laughs> that would have been great. Um, the monster. We really are misunderstood. Why can't they understand us? They needed a song. They need, The humans needed a song in this. About being misunderstood. <laughs> oh, yeah. I should have sung that, um... That ice breaking song from Frozen, but just um, <laughs> adapted it for like a big trash pickup, <laughs> a big hazmat pickup. Perfect. <laughs> anyway, so a full. We've had a full day. We saw the tree that has the bark that helps treat uh, rheumatoid arthritis. We saw it had, the, uh, in the sh- cute shape of a Y. That like when I was looking back at this film. For me, that was one thing that always stood out was this bark in the shape of a Y. <laughs> Don't ask me why. Yeah. It's just well, a Y. Why? Um, yeah, reading the show notes that you put on before I watched the movie today, I was like, now I was looking for it. And I was like, ooh, what's the significance? But I don't think there was. <laughs> anyway, except to help them find their way back, I suppose. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so, anyway, so we've got off our I've got, we've got off our our collective soapbox about like the environmentalist message of the film. Well, I think my main issue with it was like it had all of these key plot points that were there just to push that message. But then later on, like, okay, as they're going through the you know desert or whatever where the yellow dragons are, like so many plot points in there that were just not needed. Like, why were wh- who are you? Why why? Well, it's an evil construction site. Mm-hmm. And that's that's another point I want to make. So every every animal that's okay in the head knows knows not to go near loud noises, foreign objects that they don't recognize, and areas with no cover. So, like, isn't the animal kingdom, like, doing itself a favor, you know, when there's some animals that aren't, you know, they're... They shouldn't really be fit for the gene pool. Scurry out into the construction site. <laughs> Survival. Of the I'm just fittest. being Darwinian here. Like, <laughs> if they're not fit, to, yeah, I know. But anyway, that's just a point I wanted to make. Sounds good to me. <laughs> okay, so then we kind of go back, and then this, you know, tragedy happens, and Michelle is the biggest doofus. It's obviously because she is the two-year-old who shouldn't be in the preschool class. I mean, there's reason we have age restrictions on this, but of course she's like the relative of the teacher. So that's why she's there, (laughs) even though she's not socially, emotionally uh, or mentally able to handle this. And so she freaks out and gets and gets stressed (laughs) out and runs away. And then obviously, you know, something bad happens. She goes into a place she's not supposed to and uh, dead parents, which. Oh my gosh. Did anyone not think this was a big deal? Yeah. You know, they kind of. They kind of sweep it under the rug, but it's clearly seen that the parents, like, suffocate yeah. from the gas leak. It's horrifying. Well, why do they only save Michelle? Because they go in there, it's like, hold your breath. like, And then she grabs Michelle and brings them back. But why couldn't she say, but the parents are in there. Go get them. Like, They're yes, they goners. may be already dead at this point, but don't you usually try? Like, I, maybe they're too heavy. I don't know. Yeah. It's the but law of the forest. Basically letting them burn in their toxic gas. He who falls behind is left behind. Speaking of burning, uh, I don't know why Professor Badger is carrying around a lantern with an open flame right after <laughs> there's been a, a gas leak. <gasps> apparently, I looked on some message boards, um, because they do tra- truly care about this film, apparently. Um, it's a, it's a, a chlorine gas, you know, chlorine in gas form. So I don't know if that's, that's flammable or not. I don't know. But yeah, nasty stuff. Then Professor Badger dude kind of um he sings a song please wake up and and and, oh. and casting aside the melodrama of the moment like the lyrics are pretty cool like the kind of contrast that she's like a youth she's in the morning of her life and all he has is the the evening and the night left so it's kind of this weird reflection on Badger dude um himself you know and then and then his feelings for Michelle um and yet it was so forgettable like i remember it lasted it. about 2 minutes I remember it, like, as far as that there was a song, but at the same time, like, I couldn't sing it to you. And I'm pretty good at remembering things. There you go. (laughs) That's basically it. Sounds like a ghost. (laughs) Yeah. And then no more songs for a while. (laughs) No more songs for a while because they got to go on this huge, dangerous mission to the Great Valley. I mean, the the other meadow. Sorry. Well, two days. Why can't they enlist the help of an adult who maybe potentially has been there before? Now they were the smart ones, and they left. Because all the well, the then, all the adults are gone somewhere, mm-hmm. but they don't even bother to look for them. They just yeah, they do. They go in and they they ask, and they've already tried, and they're like, "Oh, did you find anyone? Any luck? No." And I didn't even get to kiss my mom goodbye. Yes, that's no. true. <laughs> so that's why the kids are enlisted in the mission. Yes. Poor kids. Yeah, yeah. Badger's like, I need plants. Special plans. Bring me cannabis. Lots and lots of cannabis. Hurry. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So, yeah. It makes me think of Shrek, where she's like, bring me a, a blue flower with red thorns. It's like, blue flower with red thorns. It would be, be a lot more easier if I wasn't colorblind. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> yeah. We're very enthusiastic. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And, but that's the thing, like, as Morgan was saying earlier, it's not that bad. I mean, it didn't hurt as much as, say, watching... Um, I don't know if I would like this film more over Fern Gully. Fern Gully's good. Y- y'all are girls, so you like Fern Gully. Oh, I just remember not liking it. Just kidding. It. I mean, there's plenty of guys who like it. I need to watch this again. 
Did we already do an episode on Ferngully? No, not again. We just need to watch it and actually do it. (laughs) I remember, the only thing I remember about Ferngully is like when you you had the one tree and you couldn't, like, it was somehow holding a crazy spirit in it. And then you like, the guy like sprayed um, an X on it. And all you you hear is saying, X, like creepily. Oh, that's right. That's the only and, thing I like specifically remember about that movie. Oh, that's right. Because we humans are supposed to just check which trees we we tear down that are holding this like evil pollution <laughs> spirit inside. Anyway. That should actually be a fun episode too. <laughs> yeah. So the next Don't we should have it. well we should have Green Month on the rotoscopers <laughs> and, and just get all the environmentalist um, animated uh, films out of the way. People will love us. <laughs> We're going to be put on, like, a watch list. Anyway. Um, yeah, so the owls, they're, they're out in the middle of the nowhere, and the owl's pretty creepy. I like the animation for the owl. You know, he's, like, he looking cool. around and, like, moving his head around. You know, the one-eye. That's like- The one-eyed Jack. Yeah. See, and I think that's why I thought I kept mixing this up with some other movie, because they have one eye. And isn't there another movie where an owl has one eye? It's it's Sneaker of Nim, right? Doesn't well, there's an owl, owl, but he doesn't have one eye. He's just... He's like a sparkly eye. There's some movie where this yeah, owl or he bird or something has a sparkly eye. And so I think this is kind of where I got the lines crossed. Um, owls with weird eyes, man. This is where I started to get a little confused because there are enemy animals, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, so apparently we're supposed to think of the forest critters and preserving the forest for them. That's great. So how do we do it? Well, we should stop driving cars and we need to kill all the owls. <laughs> That's what I've got so far. Um <laughs> I don't know. Nature follows a certain circle of life, as we saw in The Lion King, and the antelope eat the grass. But anyway, I don't know. I guess we're disrupting the natural order of things by by building stuff in the middle of the forest. Well, and then, you know, after they escape the owls, we just, there's this basically funeral procession, which is kind of creepy. It's kind of... It's a preemptive, highly fatalist (laughs) funeral procession. And it's depressing, and the music is kind of cool during this part. It but doesn't match anything. Love but it doesn't me match some anything. Exactly. It is completely different. Love it's me some gospel, gospel and it just has this organ <laughs> undertones and That's very different the gospel from... truth. Yes. So yeah. And yeah, this whole thing, like the gosh, the birds really aren't that smart. Yeah. Is it is it mud or some sort of weird pollutant byproduct that he's stuck it's in? It's just mud. Like it's just mud. It, it's just turned our our field into a muddy swamp or whatever. Oh, they ne- these birds have never seen mud before in all their days of flying? Oh, sorry, I'm getting all angry about this. Maybe I'm like, I don't know. Anyway, but I love it when uh, the mole kid Bossworth. is trying to... Oh, yeah, we can say boss words. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, Chelsea, what did you think about the music? Yes, it doesn't match during the other stuff, but what do you think about the music during this time? I actually... You know, like we were saying, we liked. I liked the song, the fact that it was... It was one of those moments where it's like, okay, now we're going to actually appeal to the fun side of kids or, you know, the, the crazy side. Uh, and then throwing in like the deep south, like revival feel to it was, was funny. <laughs> like this part of the film just was like the characters and just this zany situation mm-hmm. reminded me of a Don Bluth film during this time. I mean, there are a couple moments where I was like, this really feels like a Don Bluth moment. But then there's other parts where it's like, no, this doesn't feel like it no, at all. Yeah. It feels like Fern Gully. It feels like a cheap whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm expecting French Bird from uh, American Tale to show it. Well, that wasn't Don Bluth, was it? That was an animation. Well, it kind of reminded me of like, Rockadoodle when he's the owls are like singing. Their oh, song. that's right. And it was just kind of that's like weird. evil owl gospel. Oh, that's yeah. the owl where I'm getting the eye thing. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Duke hit the roof. It's just been so long. It's been since episode three that I've seen that movie. Dude, that was so long ago. Three years ago, guys. By the time this episode comes out, this is our three-year anniversary. Why did Holy we choose shnike. this one? <laughs> three years? You're kidding me. No, it's a real thing, guys. We're wow. we're old. Oh man. Wow. Well. Yeah. So anyway. Hallelujah. We can save Boswell. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, that part was so funny. When just the little mole kid was like. Hallelujah, we could say Bosworth. He like just changes his voice and I'm like, who are you? Like what little kid? It obviously but he goes, has his moments. He goes with the mentality of kind of this like cult following. Like he probably never would have said it or even spoke like that how ever. Do you know, how do you know he doesn't watch, you know, the Christian channel at home? How do Hello? you know? No TVs. Hello. <laughs> Come on. 
Well, they have they have the ability to make highly advanced flying machines. Maybe yeah. that's why they're the only ones that wear clothes. They're the believers. All the rest are Gentiles. Ooh, Gentiles. Hey, <laughs> that is getting deep, Chelsea. <laughs> Oh, right. your whole new level of uh, analysis this mu- this can bring it's now. Like an animation theory. Uh, you know, after they get rid of, get done with all that, and they kind of go through the yellow dragons part, um, I realize that I think Russell is put to best use when he's being rolled up in a ball. You know, <laughs> just As rolling the whole way. He's like, hey, Russell, can you curl up real quick? And just er, ee, er, ee, er, ee. Just, isn't that the purpose of most hedgehogs? I mean, well, yeah. Then he Sonic, shows his semi-sonic. Nothing more than they. Their whole purpose is to roll into a ball and do stuff. <laughs> Collect coins and overthrow tyrannical scientists who make <laughs> mechanized aberrations. Basically, that's all I learned. Yeah, gotta go fast. And then they go to the meadow. Uh, what is it called? Oakdale. Uh, it has some funny name. Uh, <laughs> the meadow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a bit happier, Meadow. <laughs> All the mice show up. And then there's, like, that other mice, the, like, male counterpart mouse who had no purpose whatsoever in oh, the film. Oh, no. That, then their interaction, their very first interaction where they're talking and they're, like, flirting, but horrible flirting. It's so just you're not painful. around here, are you? <laughs> painful. Oh, my gosh. And he reminded me slightly of the male mouse character in American Tale who was just... Uh, the Joyzy mouse. Yes, I kind of felt like he was just introduced just to be a love interest, but in Your this Bible. story, it doesn't amount to anything. She just says, see ya! <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was really funny. Like, why do they have to have that? Why do they have to have the attraction? <laughs> why not? No, you know, you know who's the best character in this whole Oakdale environment is Wags the Squirrel. He's like this racist squirrel that hates all other animals besides squirrels. <laughs> like, stupid mice, all you wanna, you cowards, all you wanna do is steal food, you know. He's like, of course, that's just what I'd expect to hear from a stinking hedgehog, you know. What's his problem? How is he raised? He hasn't been to church in a while. <laughs> yes, not. He needs to hang out with the, the gospel birds. He's inactive. He's a racist little squirrel. It's like, see, I told you that a stupid mole couldn't do anything you know <laughs> anyway someone should beat him up he someone had no should... purpose either no this whole pl- this whole section was weird because we're introduced to these characters and it's like am i supposed to care about them like are they gonna serve a purpose and it's just to basically like point fingers and mock like you know um uh, the bu- right, anti-bullying some sort of element of opposition yeah. Ooh, ooh, it's basically, why don't they have this big fight about food and then the, this racist little squirrel comes up and starts berating everyone? Yes. Very great and spacious building. You know, these kids are trying to do something and everyone's pointing fingers and saying, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. Yep. But once you pluck the fruit from the tree, you cannot be ashamed. <laughs> yes, they do. They have a mission to get the flower. Well, I, I thought that was really funny. It's like, oh, no one's ever been able to get up there. How often are you trying to go up there? <laughs> Like, like, yeah, like- yeah, Johnny, he uh, he broke his neck trying to get up there like two days ago, right? <laughs> Is this like it's a like competition? A thing for them. <laughs> like, all of you guys need long worm plant thing. Maybe wags, ma- wags in the game are just gang are just like really bored, <laughs> and this is just what they do. Anyway, okay. speaking of speaking of plot holes, um, they just build a flying machine in like two minutes. Like, they literally have hours to go until little Michelle, you know, dies from the pollution. I was totally expecting them to do some sort of, like, musical montage during this thing. <laughs> where it's like, something in, and it's like, oh, we're grabbing the, we're, you know, getting Working the- together. We're going to yes. make it work for Harmony. Us. <laughs> Harmony. Yeah. But anyway, good for them. The best montage music is from Rocky Three. the little... Doo, doo, doo. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm trying to think of that song, but apparently I can't think of it, so the joke's no longer funny because I've spent five minutes trying to search for the stupid song. <laughs> Ify's older brothers believed it would not fly. No. Okay. So anyway, so they they build the boat. I mean, the flying attraction. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> that was purposeful. <laughs> and everyone's mocking and scorning. And they basically are... It's amazing. They're flying and no crashing. We're flying! And, it it just works out so great. And you know what? The up and down movement, it's very jerky of that flying contraption. It totally reminds me of Bowser's aircraft in the final boss showdown of Super Mario World. And that also made me really nostalgic for the 90s. I was like, oh, I love that. 
Man, sorry. Can't yes, relate. Man. I'm more of an NES guy myself. <gasps> oh, it was all about Super Mario World. Super NES, yeah. The Bowser battle much. at the end of Mario Brothers 3 is super hard. It's Don't true. Even. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so, yes, they build this in seconds. They're so smart. I'm glad they put their lessons to use. <laughs> and as I was thinking this, I'm like, yeah. okay, they- is this movie going to be one of those they're, they get the prize within first shot? Like, no adversity. They're just going to fly up there and grab it. And kind of. They, they have some problems where the wing breaks and whatnot, and there's some issues, but... Is the wind, wind, wing breaking? No, it well, keeps yeah, running against, against the... They kind of crash against the Ah, side. yes. Yeah. So they do have some adversity, but then they're still able to power through it and figure out, and through some happenstance, they collect the flower. I Lucky, guess so, but right? Abigail, like, slips and falls, you know? Yeah, and then they have Edgar go and save her. Ah, uh, yes. You know, although that's not a smart person move. Normally, he should it, he should have been the one doing the inventing but uh, they had to show some character growth. But the nerdy kid was able to get out of his shell. Too bad he wasn't a turtle. And to save that would have been awesome. Abigail. Toby might tattle on you. <laughs> Put your hand over your heart and cross your eyes. Yay, there. Dad. <laughs> oh, we should do Robin Hood again. Even though we're cap. <laughs> Robin. There wouldn't be any awkward pauses during Robin Hood again. <laughs> I know. This would have been a great mashup with Robin Hood. <laughs> The, the gospel birds are all singing, now, now, save your sermon, preacher. <laughs> it ain't Sunday, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, That's so then, thought. because now they're able to see it from a different perspective, they now see all the trials and tribulations which they passed, and, oh, wow, look, the Land of Dragons was just, just, you know, some machines. How yeah, cool. This is the end of the search for Christopher Robin when they realized this was just a giant acid trip <laughs> and they were all freaking out. Well, anyway. that's the, that was the part that really bothered me. It's like this is such a great way to just like get fly over the whole every problem that they had getting there. They just, they just built their flying thingamajig and they'll just get back in two seconds. Woohoo! Why don't they you just build a flying machine at the beginning? I don't know. This reminded me of the Simpsons episode where um, he, Homer kind of goes on this crazy like trip. Uh, anyways, he he go, has these visions, and really he's just on a golf course, and and he he becomes a um, awake to what happens, and he's like, huh? He wakes up and he's on a golf course. He says, a golf course? Did I just dream that whole thing? Oh man, that desert was just a sand trap. And man, I bet that crazy pyramid was just the pro shop. And then he's like, and that talking coyote was really just a talking dog. And the dog says, hi, Homer. Bye, your soulmate. Wait a minute. Such a thing as a talking dog? Anyways. Uh, Anyone see The Simpsons? Yes, yes. It's a, it's a good, it, it relates. It yes. relates. Anyway, so it's like you, you have a different perspective and you're like, oh man, that thing that I thought was something is actually this. So they're flying over and eventually they just crash and burn because of the crazy storm. And they land right back to where they were, where this whole thing started, the Y tree. Why? <laughs> yeah. And so all, all is well, because they have that, you know, that moment where they like think that Michelle isn't going to pull out of it, you know? Yes. Yes. And then, and then she does. And then all's not well because uh, they hear this horrible noise outside and the stamping around and, and hey, it's the humans. They're here to clean up their mess, you know, because they made a mistake. That was All right, actually, forest critters. That was actually one of those moments where I was in my brain, like where he's in the cage and you see the the human with the mask on and the sound of breathing and everything like that. Like that was in my head. Was, I remembered that moment. You guys remembered the the part where she's laying, you know, passed out on the ground with the gas going in. I remember that one. Oh, huh, interesting. They can't have old rusty cages around, so they kind of, you know, they kind of crush it and put it in the, <laughs> put it in. They're like, yay, they've learned their lessons about the forest. <laughs> and they're like, actually, we're going to put an interstate right through here next, next week. So, uh, yeah, we can't have rusty cages around here. We don't want one of us to get tetanus. But anyway, you know, kind of a Princess Mononoke ending because not everything's restored back to the way it was, you know. Mm-hmm. Michelle still lost her parents. Yes, that was a uh, pretty tragic. And you think you're worried that one of the other kids isn't going to get his parents back, but the no, mom shows up. For Michelle. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, Sucks we did. You. Michelle was asleep for half the film, so we really didn't relate that much to her. So it's like, eh, whatever. I just had a long nap. Yay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I gotta oh, tell you. Poor, something. poor child. <laughs> yeah, um, ugh, that's tough being old, Mr. Badger. But yeah, so kind of a bittersweet ending. Yeah, there goes retirement. <laughs> oh, bro. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's mean. <laughs> He's got to take care of her now. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I don't know what else to analyze besides that. I mean. Well, happy ending, kind of. I had a listener Twitter question because normally we get tons of responses. And I said, what would you rate Once Upon a Forest and why? Crickets. <laughs> Two people liked it and favorited it, but they did not give their opinion. <laughs> oh, not even, our, so not even they, our regulars? Why did they want us to do it then? Because they like to see us suffer, Chuck. I know. <laughs> yeah. This was sufferable. <laughs> Insufferable, actually. So, now the big reveal, guys. What would you rate this movie? I think we've come to a conclusion that it's okay, but not that bad. But then out of Probably better than, you know, Troll in Central Park. I'll give it two stars. All right. right. Uh, we're going to give us a reason why. <laughs> I can't get any more. I actually, you know, I didn't hate it quite as much as I did our favorite Lord of the Rings, Bakshi style. Yeah. Um but still not good enough to be like, hey, I want to watch this again. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Well, this one can go back in the vault forever. <laughs> I'm a, the rotoscopers vault. <laughs> it's going in the vault forever. You in know. the lock. We're putting it in. We're closing the door. You'll never see it again. Anyway. Yeah, I'm going to go with two stars as well. Like, this wasn't like a horrible, horrible film, but I can't give it three stars. I mean, Mm-mm. it was just too goofy and just kind of wishy-washy. And um, I don't know. This is one of those movies that the only adults that really like it still um, like it for the nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my theory yeah. on that. I read online that this film actually does have a pretty decent cult following, which is probably why people voted for it. But... It has to be 100% nostalgia because watching this nowadays as an adult would be pretty, like I said, insufferable. Um, <laughs> so I also am going to rate it two stars. Uh, there's the music disjointed. Uh, James Horner's score is okay, uh, but sounds redundant because we've heard this before in an animated film. Mm-hmm. Um, the characters, I don't feel like I care enough about them. Like they're interesting to a point. But everything that happens is just sort of very stereotypical and, and it doesn't really break new ground. The message that it tries to convey is like half, half there, half contradicting itself. You know, humans are evil, but this whole time humans were good. So uh, yeah, for those reasons, I'm just going to give it two stars. It, it's not bad. I mean, I didn't hate watching this. Yeah. That's my review. I didn't hate watching this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That when it comes down to it, the real bad guy is just the dude who threw the bottle. I mean, he's driving yeah. a pickup truck. He could just throw it in the back. Yeah. The real like, bad guy is literally is a giant waste bin on four wheels. Um, but anyway, um, that's the only person I would condemn in this movie, but I felt like it was trying to condemn like the whole human race. You know, I like Pixar's approach. Like they do poke fun at humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, Finding Nemo is is sort of cynical towards it, it jokes about and is cynical towards how humans treat uh, animals. You know, the capture and release and put them in a in a tank and then they clean them up with aqua scum. You know, mm-hmm. and then uh, Wall-E had an environmental message that was uh, that was pretty cynical. Uh, had a pretty bleak outlook on on where we're headed. Um, as far as like wastefulness and how we treat the earth. Um, but this one just like the melodrama, whenever they mention human beings, I don't know. Maybe it was all just to set up the moment of surprise when it turns out the humans really don't want to kill them. You know, they just, mm-hmm. they just want to clean up after their mistake. But anyway, I guess it just didn't have the scope and like the, the stakes that were as high as they were in, uh, Ferngully, you know, kind of a messy movie in the end. Indeed. <laughs> if you want a if you want a cool movie about critters, just watch Rango. Ooh, the creepy critters. It's creepy a good critters. one. Hey guys, this is Kimber. 
I'm just calling to leave a few thoughts. Um, first of all, I listened to the Cinderella episode, and it was so great. And I was laughing because I had no idea that the song, the opening song for Cinderella was the Rotoscopers theme song. And the whole time I've been a fan, which is, you know, been for a few years now, I've been wondering what that song is, and I just never look it up or anything. So thanks for enlightening me because it's such a great song. So now it's been stuck in my head ever since. And I'm all right with that because it's great. Um, another thing is that I wanted to say is something I have talked to Morgan about over email is that uh, I'm a senior journalism student at BYU, and I'm starting to work on a huge project, and it'll take all semester, and the topic that I chose is representation at Disney, whether in movies or TV or whatever. So I'm starting to look for people to interview who have felt an emotional response to some sort of representation whether they were angry at how a woman was portrayed or maybe they were inspired by the ethnicity of a character or the attitude of somebody or whatever. I just am looking for people who have had some sort of emotional response that they would be willing to share with me to use in my projects. So this is where you listeners come in handy. I know that a lot of you are huge Disney fans, and so hopefully you have some stories I do want good and bad stories, though, because I need a variety. So if any of you guys want to talk to me, volunteer your story, that would be amazing. Um, you can email me at kimberhainer at gmail.com. That's K-I-M-B-E-R-H-A-N-E-R at gmail.com. You can also tweet at me at kimberpower, K-I-M-B-E-R-P-O-W-E-R. And just let me know, because I would love to hear your guys' stories, and I'm sure the wide variety would make my project even better. And Morgan, Chelsea, Mason, if you guys have great stories, you can help too, <laughs> more the merrier. So um, just let me know as soon as you can. That would be so great. Also, I'm a little nervous about this next Rose Gobers episode. I've never even heard of this movie before. I don't know if I'll watch it. I might just listen to the podcast. We'll see. <laughs> anyway, thanks so much, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. So you heard her. Kimber needs your help. So send her an email at kimberhainer at gmail.com. I have all the information in the show notes. Uh, check her out. She's awesome. And she needs fellow animation addicts to make her senior project awesome. I mean, we need to stand up and help. Come on, guys. Yes. Also, I did want to make a little note. We are going to be doing an episode um, probably after The Secret of Nim in between our next, when, before we start doing our next series. We're going to be doing an episode all about story and we're, we're actually going to be talking about the section in the book of Creativity Inc. where he talks about story. And so I've gone in, I've, I've kind of been talking to a couple different people at different studios, but I did want to put out a notice that if there is anybody, any animation professional who works at a studio somewhere who has a key role in working either with, as a writer, a director, producer, or a composer, et cetera, whatever, if you want to send us an audio clip of, you know, maybe less than 10 minutes or so, send it to contact at rotoscopers.com. 10 minutes. Less than 10 minutes. Like, <laughs> but, like, but here's this, I have the question for you. Um, basically tell us who you are, where you're working, and a- answer these two different questions. When you're working on a project and the moment comes that you realize that, you know, X in the story isn't working, what have you done? And what are the principles that you use to build a great story? So I would really love to have more input from different, you know, creators out there and, you know, be a part of the podcast fun. Yay. And then also, um, if you want to give an example of one or more of your projects, then that'd be great. We would love to hear it. Okay, thank you guys so much for joining us on yet a wonderful, fantastic 
podcast. For all show notes, make sure to head on over to rotoscopers.com slash 86 to be able to get links and more. You can also get, you know, if you want to rent, buy, or even find the soundtrack, you can find the links on there too. You can tweet about this episode by doing the hashtag animaddicts. Or if you want to be specific, you can do hashtag animaddicts86. Uh, make sure to also check out DisneyQuotes.com for all of your quoting needs. Absolutely. And if you want to contact the Rotoscopers or the Animation Addicts podcast, you can leave a voicemail and have your lovely voice on the show with us. Rotoscopers.com slash voicemails. You can also call the number 406-646-6575. As always, this show is brought to you by our sponsors, Amazon and Audible. You can go to rotoscopers.com slash Amazon so you can do your Amazon shopping and support the show at the same time. You can also check out our Audible free trial link at rotoscopers.com slash Audible and get your free 30-day trial thanks to Audible, your number one source for audiobooks. And also don't forget the rotoscopers.com slash store. That is where you will find all our wonderful articles of merchandise. Mostly it's just one t-shirt, but you can get it autographed. And stickers. Cool? And stickers. That's right. I have uh, a huge stack of roto stickers so I can go out and vandalize the city. <laughs> it's raining stickers. <sighs> like anyone listens to this podcast anyway. Yeah, so those are excellent ways to contact um, the Roscopers and also support us. Make sure if you want to find us, you definitely subscribe on iTunes. Also available on Stitcher Radio. Those are, you know, Stitcher Radio is probably the one that I use more because I'm not one of those cool people that has an iPhone or anything like that. So I always go to Stitcher because that also it helps you stream so you don't actually have to bog down your memory on your phone if you're wanting to listen. And then also on iTunes, if you do want to give us feedback, we would really appreciate that. There have been a couple people who have been giving, who have given us five star reviews and thank you so much and some really nice comments. Thank you. We're not trying to like say, hey, go give us nice comments, but it does help um, if you do enjoy the show. If it is something that you really you know, get value out of, uh, definitely share that and let people know about us. Also on social media, we are on everything. We are everywhere you want to be. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, all at some point put on, put some Vine videos up. <laughs> um, we got a lot of things going on. We are also on Pinterest. So find us. And you can also find us all on our individual locations. Morgan Straddling on Twitter and Instagram. Chelsea Robson on Twitter, Instagram. And for Facebook, you can just go to ChelseaRobson.com. And Mason, of course, is on Twitter. He is Mason SMTX. And this animatedlife.blogspot.com. Don't forget my semi-professional animation portfolio, masonsmithportfolio.com. You can find my demo reel, uh, you know, a bunch of works I've done in school. Also, I added a video section. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Back at back in BYU, I did a little bit of 2D animation. And so there's a, a pencil test that was my final project for um, for 2D while I was there. And, um, and so you can check that out. That is a new section, and I hope you like it. Cool. Our next episode is the long-anticipated Secret of Nim. Nim? Nim. Nim? We are the rats who say Nim. Nim. <laughs> Nim. Nim. <laughs> so make sure if go ahead and watch it so you guys can send in your voicemails, get on the show, tell us what you think. I know that there's going to be a lot of feedback for this, so I am really excited to hear it. All right, guys, until next time, we, we are, are the Rotoscopers. Hello. Howdy. Can you hear me? Uh, we always heard you. Yeah, sorry. I was using these different headphones. Jared has these Bose headphones, and he's like, now that you're back, or now that I'm back, uh, you could use my headphones. They're amazing. Aww, but they they required... Guy. They required to turn on the headphones for the headphones to work. So. Uh, yes. Most headphones, you don't need that, but uh, these fancy schmancy ones. <laughs> so my, my mother-in-law the other day was like, oh, and if you do this mail-in rebate, you can get free beats by DRE. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yep. Oh, Mom. We had a good laugh. Okay. <laughs> Chelsea, okay. are you recording? Right. I am. Okay, sweet. Shall we start this? You can dance. Everybody, Shall we dance. dance.
I actually watched how Please wake up. Oh, my gosh. Oh, on that note, let's get this thing rolling. Okay. Chelsea, you want to start? Sure. You're listening to the Rotoscopers YouTube. No. What are we doing? Animation addicts. Get her out of there. Or can you do it? I'm just kidding. Tired. Tired. Oh, let's have a conversation. Ha ha ha. I'm telling you a joke. Ha ha, it was funny. I got your joke. I'm talking over you. Are you going to talk over me? No. Oh, perfect. Excellent. Oh, I gotta love it. It's really okay. weird. A really cool thing that happened yesterday, uh, they had the Pro Bowl in Arizona, and they did a like 30-second spot on the Rock and Our Ranch, a.k.a. my house. Yes. I'm yeah, honest. so y- y'all are like a dude ranch. Like, you all have events and stuff where uh-huh. people, like, walk around. It's that kind of ranch. Yeah. That is There's cool. There's not really, like, animals and actual <laughs> we ranch- have a- ranching. Well, I we didn't have know a petting if Kelsey zoo. was, like, an actual cowgirl, you know? That's to be debated. Leave the ranch to <laughs> leaves the ranch to pursue her dreams of being a, a, a country singer in Nashville. Giddy up. Giddy up rawhide indeed. <laughs> Which Oh, by the way, in if you ever have some fun time today, I here's a funny video, which I have not seen, but it's Nostalgia Critic, his review of Once Upon a Forest. <laughs> so oh, yay. Have some fun tonight. Okay. <laughs> have Adios. you some fun tonight. <laughs> on on me. That's how, that's how us animation addicts do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you guys. All right, bye. Bye bye.